Welcome to the Father Jim Willig Gospel Teachings Podcast, presented by Heart to Heart, a Catholic media ministry. Father Jim was a well-known and much-loved diocesan priest from Cincinnati, Ohio. Inspired by God's Word, for many years, Father Jim presented a weekly Bible study on the Sunday Gospels. In 2001, Father Jim went home to the Lord after a battle with cancer, but his recordings and teachings live on to inspire thousands. First, we hear from Father Jim's good friend, Jesuit priest, Father Michael Sparrow, who opens this podcast by proclaiming the gospel reading. Then, Father Jim's illuminating gospel teaching follows. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus told his disciples this parable. The kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins, who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. The foolish ones, when taking their lamps, brought no oil with them, but the wise brought flasks of oil with their lamps. Since the bridegroom was long delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight there was a cry, Behold, the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise ones replied, No, for there may not be enough for us and you. Go instead to the merchants and buy some for yourselves. When they went off to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went into the wedding feast with him. Then the doors were locked. Afterwards, the other virgins came and said, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he said in reply, Amen, I say to you, I do not know you. Therefore, stay awake, for you know neither the day nor the hour. The Gospel of the Lord. I can't tell you how much I enjoy preparing for this gospel study. There is always so much I learn, and hopefully we can learn together about these great lessons for life. I'd like to begin by sharing a story I heard some years ago, told about the conference that Lucifer, the chief devil, had called together all the devils in order to plot and scheme as to how they could keep us human beings from getting into heaven. Lucifer asked the leading question, what have you found to be the greatest strategy that we could together use to bar people from the gate of heaven? And one devil volunteered and thought, uh, what if we were to just convince people there is no God? And after some discussion and deliberation, they decided, well, a lot of people may fall for it, but the majority won't. You can just see all throughout creation, there's too many signs of God's presence, and they would have to see it. Most people, after a while, there is a supreme being. And then another devil suggested, how about we try to convince them then that there's no hell? And people would love to hear that. 
And then they would be dissuaded from trying to live a good life. And what are you thinking? And again, they discussed this at some length and shared and swapped different stories and finally decided, well, that would work with a lot, but not with most because... God has put a conscience in us all. We'd have to see that there are consequences to our decisions and choices, and we'd have to be responsible for any misdeeds, and there would be a judgment. So, again, there was some silence, and one devil finally recommended, how about we just let them think there's a God, and let them think there's heaven and hell, but we just convince them there's no hurry. There's just no hurry. And to go on with life as it were, and and everyone thought that would be it, because procrastination and distraction is the greatest temptation. (laughs) And ever since that conference, the story goes, (laughs) that's been one of Satan's greatest temptation. And that's what this parable is about today. The point is, we know not when the end is to come. But we must be prepared. And so we will be looking at this urgent and important question. How do we prepare for the Lord's coming? And Jesus tells this marvelous parable, as you just heard. I would like to give what is a wonderful background material that I've learned this week. It is, in fact, the parable Jesus describing what was very commonplace in terms of what the first century Jewish wedding customs were. The marriage back in Jesus' time was mainly arranged by the mothers. Some may say times have not changed. (laughs) But in any case, you understand uh, marriages were prearranged by the parents. And the mother had probably the leading hand, although the father was the one who would write the contract with the father of the groom and the father of the bride. You might keep in mind the story of the fiddler on the roof. Remember how they tried to plan and prepare for the wedding of their daughters. Remember the song, matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. Okay, this is how it was done then. The young couple, the already prearranged that early life would be then later when the parents decided the time was right and they and the person themselves were ready, the long marriage ceremony took place. The high point of this ceremony was where the groom was accompanied by his relatives, would go to the house of the bride and her family where the groom would claim her as his wife and then take her back in this long wedding procession to the groom's family's house where the celebration and feast would begin. And this is the point at which the parable begins, where Jesus says the reign of God could liken to ten bridesmaids who took their torches to go out to welcome the groom. Well, these bridesmaids would be, in this case, the groom's sisters and cousins and relatives and friends. And they would be taking these torches, which would have been these oil lamps lit by the wick and supplied by the oil to burn brightly. Obviously, they're assuming that the groom would be coming sometime in the nighttime, which builds the suspense of the story. It's also assumed that this wedding party, this entourage that would meet the groom and the bride, walked 
some distance in order to lead them to this final procession, like the red carpet treatment, if you will. Now we're told five of them are foolish and five are sensible. The five that were foolish were foolish because they failed to foresee the possibility that the groom would be delayed and therefore they neglected to make the necessary preparations to take along an extra supply of oil. They only lived for the moment. Keep that in mind. They lived for the moment. And even more, when they realized that the bridegroom was delayed, they didn't take this opportunity to prepare for that necessity. Whereas the five who were wise, in the Greek word used here, Peronimus, it means prudent. And prudent is to be wise in very practical matters and careful in providing for the future. So these five women were wise insofar as they foresaw the possibility they would need this extra supply of oil and they took these probably in these little jugs with handles. And the groom, we're told, delayed his coming. Keep that in mind because all this will start coming together. Jesus is crafting this parable with very intended meaning. Interestingly, too, I, I read in the commentary, it was often that the groom was delayed in his final procession home because he had to work out final negotiations with the bride's father. You know, how many chickens will you give me about cow for this, for that? And, you know, and somehow it was, was not uncommon that this would delay the whole wedding procession. At midnight, again, keep that in mind. I think all this has a rich symbolism. At midnight, someone shouted, The groom is here. Come out to greet him. And all the virgins woke up. Now, the virgins is better translated, I understood, as maids or bridesmaids or women. They were awakened from their sleep to immediately to get their torches ready. Now, again, to be awakened means what? To get the light ready, all right? The two go together. And they did this very pragmatically by putting the lamp out for a moment to give it a new wick to burn brightly and then filling the lamp with oil so that it could really burn brilliantly. The foolish ones then at that point would have noticed they were out of oil and their light was growing dimmer and dimmer. And so they asked for the wise to share with them. And they said, well, wait a minute. And they were faced with this dilemma. If we give it to you, we won't have enough for ourselves. And we'll all be left in the dark. So they told him, go off to buy some from the dealers. Of course, it's highly unlikely at midnight, the oil dealer will be awake to sell this. But that's a minor detail of the story. More important point that leads to the building up suspense and conclusion. The wise were those who were ready and prepared, who anticipated this coming of the bridegroom, so they were welcomed into the great feast. And then the door was barred. Now, what does that mean? Because I, you could almost hear the slamming shut of that door. And what does that door mean? And then the foolish ones come along too late and are not welcomed in. And what does that mean? The moral of the story, Jesus tells us, is keep your eyes open, for you know not the day nor the hour. Now, the purpose of a parable, as you might know, is to make this single 
and powerful point that this is a word to the wise to always be ready for the coming of the Lord. As we look at the bridegroom, who does the bridegroom represent? Jesus, as you would know, who will return in glory to claim his bride, who is the church, all of us. Who does the ten bridesmaids represent? The disciples, all of us, who are awaiting the Lord's coming. And for the early church, for Matthew's gospel, it seemed like Jesus was coming soon. And so when he left, he says, I will be back to take you with me. But then they waited and waited and it seemed like his coming was delayed. And that's how we all feel, especially in our youth. We think, oh, death is so far off, you know. And the five who are prepared are the wise. and The others who are unprepared are otherwise, we might say. The wedding feast, as you could guess, represents the eternal feast of heaven. And the real question is, so what does it mean to have a sufficient supply of oil? What does the oil symbolize for you? Good works, grace, good life, courage, life, love, all these. But I would say the word that comes to my mind is wisdom. This gospel is all about wisdom, being full of wisdom so as to be enlightened by the Holy Spirit. So we will not walk in the dark and be unprepared, that we would have the wisdom to see God, especially the Lord Jesus, coming to us. And so, I like to just raise this question, but first let me make a word of caution. Because this is a parable, it should not be read too much as an allegory. Whereas, it is to say, not everything may have some meaning, like an allegory would, I say that because this could be otherwise misinterpreted why Jesus would then be barring the door, you know, closing the door in anybody's face when Christ clearly comes to open the door of heaven and salvation to everyone. But we could guess, though, what is that door that shuts in our face? Is it not how death comes upon us and adds final closure to the end of our life and the end of our choices And it is not to suggest, I need to say that the disciples shouldn't be sharing what we have, but some things you can only get for your own and for yourself, such as wisdom. So the question this all leads up to, and this is what I love you to grapple with today and this week, can you define for me wisdom? What is wisdom? How would you describe it? How do you come upon it? I'd offer this suggestion, and then your definition would be the best. But what I've come to appreciate wisdom is, is to see and understand all as God sees and understands all. Wisdom is to see yourself as God sees you, and how different that usually is. And how I see me. You know? 
is to see another person as God sees them and not as I can critically review them. It's to see my life in review or preview, in hindsight or foresight, as God sees my life. And doesn't God see it so differently than how we ordinarily see it in a small, dim light? Wisdom is to see with the light of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit that we know to be the source of wisdom that comes to us. We might understand wisdom best by looking at people who are wise. Who, in your estimation, is a wise person? Who comes to your mind? And what do they teach you about wisdom? I think immediately of Cardinal Bernardine, who I think God has shed a light on to say this is truly a wise, holy, and good man. I loved the editorial illustration in the Since I Inquire on All Saints Day, appropriately, where you may have seen this picture of God in the heavens standing next to him is the angel, and God says to the angel, I used to think that Bernadine fellow might be a good Pope material. And then his afterthought is, but now I think I'll promote him straight to saint. I, I actually called Jim Borgman to tell him that was a brilliant, brilliant insight. I believe that we learn wisdom by being around wise people. They have so much to teach us, so much to reveal to us. There's so much light that they illuminate. But we, ask, we might ask another further question. How do we grow in wisdom? How have you found you have grown in wisdom? This is so important because, remember, wisdom is that light. And not to have wisdom is to be walking and living in the dark. And as you look around the world, isn't it amazing how many of us are still in the dark as to what really matters most in life, you know? And how many of us could fail to have that enlightenment to see what matters most. We might need to do what Cardinal Bernadine said when he called together this important meeting for the common ground for Catholics to come together to new, deeper understanding for that light of the Holy Spirit. He began his talk by saying, I don't have long to live. And a man who doesn't have long to live does not have time for unimportant matters. Wow, I love that. And he says, this is so important that we learn to understand each other and come to real wisdom. I just read last night this document on common ground. It's filled with light and wisdom saying the conservatives, you need to listen to the liberals. Liberals, you need to listen to conservatives. On people on different sides of the issue, there's insight on both sides. We need to quit being so defensive and worse yet, being so offensive to each other and learn to be open to the insight we all bring to each other and especially the wisdom of the Spirit that speaks through the sacred scripture and that comes to us in the light of Jesus Christ who is the light of the world. 
wow, it's just, just really wise. Where do we go for such wisdom? I think, as all of us would know, that if it truly is the gift of the Holy Spirit, then we should ask for that gift of the Holy Spirit. It comes when one asks, the letter of James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, they should ask God for it, and it will be given to them. What a promise. <laughs> ask for it. Seek wisdom, and wisdom will seek you out. But also, it's my hope that we would recognize that it's here as we come together to study the Bible, most especially the gospel, that we are enlightened. This is the inspired word of God that is filled with wisdom. Every word is inspired, that is enlightened, that can guide us. It is the sure light that will lead us in the right path. This is how we are enlightened by the Word of God. And we who become students of the Scripture are fed and filled with that wisdom of the Lord. I also would add, it seems to me, wisdom comes when we are ready to hear it and learn it. You know what I mean? When we're needing wisdom, and someone says, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. You've heard that proverb? And so we need to prepare for, we need to see our need for it, and then to let life teach us. I believe every day the Lord teaches us lessons, doesn't he? And what I've tried to do is I keep a journal, and I write down in my journal the lessons the Lord is teaching me. And I'm always amazed. Every day there's something the Lord's teaching, largely through my mistakes, largely through my oversights. But in those moments of prayer, reflecting, I would suggest every day we take a moment to ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom, that we could see and learn what is God wanting to say to us, teach us, show us, reveal to us. That is the oil that will just allow us then to always live in the light, to walk with the Lord. That being said, let me add one final thing. As I've already alluded to, I find great wisdom in being with wise people who have learned the hard way, you know, because I don't know about you, but I can so identify with those five unwise women in the gospel. In fact, every time I jump into my car and I look and see the gas tank is on empty, I say, I think of those five foolish <laughs> bridesmaids who went without oil. You know, we're so used to just meeting the moment and living in the moment. We fail to live with greater foresight for what matters most. We might ask ourselves, if we knew, like Cardinal Bernardine, that we had only a few months to live, what would we do? What changes would we make? One person said to me, I know what I'd do. I'd turn off the TV, and I'd turn my life more to the Lord. I'd go to confession. I'd reconcile with the people I needed to make amends to, and I'd try to live entirely for the Lord. Well then, isn't that what we need to do? For the Lord is coming. In fact, He is here. Thank you for listening to Father Jim's Gospel Teaching. 
We hope you have been inspired and will subscribe to this weekly podcast and share it with your family and friends. The mission of Heart to Heart is to proclaim the good news of God's Son, Jesus, to the entire world. For more inspirational teachings by Father Jim and Father Michael, visit our website, www.htoh.us. May God bless your heart and the hearts of all your loved ones.